Hi, I'm Jennifer Isabella. And I'm Sharon Lever. Your co-host for Forrester's podcast, What It Means, where we explore the major changes in the market influencing executive priorities. Today, we're joined by Vice President and Group Director Phil Harrell to discuss why sales organizations need to move towards an insights-driven system and what is required for the shift. Welcome, Phil. Thanks, Jen. Thanks, Sharon. Excited to be here. So let's start at the top. What do we mean by an insights-driven sales system? What we mean by an insights-driven sales system is that basically companies need to, and sales leaders need to install, uh, take a systematic approach to helping salespeople be successful. So instead of relying just on uh, talent alone to be successful in hitting the number, it means that sales leaders need to think a lot and prioritize the implementation of processes, infrastructure, and insights to enable a broad set of uh, sales reps to be successful. So that sounds like a, a good idea at any moment, right? <laughs> That's, that is what sales uh, leaders should be doing. Why, why is it so important now? Great question, Sharon. One of the things that we've seen is that there's a change in uh, buying behavior, and that's leading the need for sales leaders to implement an insights-driven sales system. Let me talk about a couple of those uh, external drivers. First of all, it has to do with uh, B2B buyers and the changing way that they buy. Uh, what's happening now is B2B buyers, they want a seamless and frictionless purchase experience. They want to start small too. They're not interested in making large upfront purchases. This subscription business model has really gone into every industry and now buyers want to buy and pay for what they use. So that whole idea of landing that huge deal that's going to get you over the quarter is sort of yesteryear. And now uh, they want to buy in a much more uh, small amounts upfront and then pay for what they use. So that's a, that's a huge drive. The second is that buyers really want to use a, they want to engage with companies in a digitized way. And so they want to basically digital first, engage with companies. They want fast uh, feedback on the information that they want and information from the sales reps, which is putting a lot of pressure on organizations. And I'll talk about the implications of that. And then the third big one is the external driver is that stakeholders, CEOs and boards of directors, they want predictable revenue stream. They want predictable profit growth. Investors are going to reward companies based on being able to demonstrate that they have a predictable revenue growth and profit growth. And, and that really that really coincides with buyer's desire to buy in a subscription manner. So, so what's happening, you put all these together and what it means is that sales leaders who have relied on these large upfront purchases uh, in an era where you had on-prem, for example, software purchases that they could sell huge deals and uh, didn't matter whether the software was actually used or not, uh, and they could rely on those big deals at the end of the quarter to get them over the number, that's gone. They can't rely on a very small set of reps to do large deals at the end of the quarter to make them successful. They have to be able to demonstrate that they can acquire companies and customers in a really seamless, frictionless way, and then make sure that those customers use the product and get value out of the product and then grow those customers, which means you have to have more reps that are very good at engaging customers, more reps that are successful instead of relying on that small set of hero reps or superstar talent to get you over the quarter every, every, uh, every quarter, every year. How big of a gap is it, Phil? I mean, if you think about the way most sales organizations operate today versus this insights driven sales organization, um, is this a huge leap, completely uh, changing and, and, and making kind of a 180 degree shift for the sales organization? Or are these sort of small tweaks or um, additions on a journey that they've already been on? 
Well, I think there's uh, it varies by industry. If you look at the more sophisticated industries that are more early adopters, for example, of subscription pricing, if you think about high tech, for example, they're more advanced. They've been dealing with software as a service for a longer time versus other industries now that are just coming into the subscription era. Uh, they're further behind in adopting this. But I would say overall, Sharon, I would say that it's a big leap for sales organizations. And you think about most sales leaders in uh, that are VPs of sales today grew up in an era where you didn't need to do this, where the game plan was, let's go out and hire some really talented reps and focus solely on talent alone and make sure we get good people in the door. And we know that maybe half of those people will work out or a third of them will work out, but they'll be so good They'll more than make up for the people that don't. And we'll just churn those people out, those low performers, and we'll put bring new people in every year. And so you have this attrition rate of 25%, 30%, which means you're replacing your sales team uh, basically every four, three to four years, you're replacing your entire sales team. That that was has been the model that many sales leaders who are in sales leader seats today have grown up with. And therefore, they are used to that. They're comfortable with that. So I think it's a very large gap to go to those sales leaders and say, you know what, the idea of relying a lot on just talent alone, not worrying about process and not really prioritizing the implementation of processes or the, the, the implementation of infrastructure, that is a huge sea change for many sales leaders uh, out there. So this is going to take a huge change, but the bottom line is they have to do this because in the end of the day, their buyers are demanding it. Their buyers are saying, we're going to reward those companies that can provide us with the frictionless, seamless experience that we want, that can be hyper-responsive, uh, that can make sure that we get value out of the products that we've purchased. Uh, and, and that means sales organizations need to shift. It puts a lot more pressure on process. You can't rely on hero reps to navigate Byzantine and broken bureaucracy, internal processes that aren't oriented to customers to figure out how to get a deal done. You've got to make it really easy and simple for, for sellers to be successful because if you're, they're not successful and they can't respond quickly because they're navigating their own internal processes, that means they're not responsive to their buyers. So it is a huge change overall for sales organizations to think in that manner, to prioritize process infrastructure and insights and enable a broad set of talent to be successful. That's a huge change management situation on your hands, obviously. So when you think about that, that gap, I mean, are there specific hurdles or lessons learned from clients, maybe the small amount of clients who have made this transition into this, into this model um, that you can kind of pinpoint, like what should sales leaders be paying closer attention to um, where things can kind of go bump in the night? First of all, foundationally, they have to think about processes. They can't give it short shrift. They have to either appreciate, at least appreciate processes. So many sales leaders today aren't process oriented. Uh, they are more come from the art of sales or the gut or the instinct or the intuition. That's where sales has been. But if you aren't a process-oriented person, you have to appreciate the importance of process and you have to build a team of people, typically in sales operations, that can implement processes, that can think through the steps that are required, for example, in lead management to how are the reps going to follow up on those leads or opportunities that come in from, from marketing, for example, in the revenue waterfall, those opportunities that are being generated in marketing, how do we ensure that sales is able to respond quickly uh, to those? That is a process that needs to be defined and interlocked with marketing to make sure it's successful. Another example of process is the handoff between deals when a new logo is closed 
Uh, how does that process from a handoff to the customer success team? How does that happen to ensure there's a smooth handoff that those customers can get up and running on the platform very quickly and start to realize the benefit? So that, I think that's a huge change management is for sales leaders that are in the seat today is to recognize the importance. And if they're not oriented toward processes, at least be able to hire a team of people who get it and can implement those processes. Uh, and, and then you have to, part of that process, you had to uh, govern and make sure there's adherence to that process. That's another sea change for sales leaders. If you think about, uh, you know, you have a sales team that's not used to, for example, uh, following process, that they just make things happen and their attitude is stay out of the way and I'll make it happen. And now you're a sales leader from a change management. You've got to get your sellers uh, to make sure that they're responding to those opportunities that have been generated by marketing in a timely fashion, that they're filling out that handoff document that's required for customer success to understand what uh, what the customer is trying to accomplish in terms of their goals, that's a huge sea change. So I think that's probably the biggest one is foundationally from a change management aspect is the appreciation of process and either being able to imp uh, identify which processes are broken themselves or hire enough people in sales operations that can identify those and then build those processes, make sure they're integrated and get, make sure there's governance on the part of their reps in terms of adhering to those processes in a consistent way. So that's a very, very large change management aspect. And then on top of that, you have to have the infrastructure and insights, which we can talk more about. But I think that's the biggest challenge for many sales leaders. So, uh, Phil, you just mentioned sales operations. It feels like based on your your definition and your description of what we're talking about here, that it would this this whole new model would require maybe a larger or at least more important sales operations function. Is that true? Yes, you're absolutely right, Sharon. In this new model, uh, sales operations for too long has played a very reactive and un they're underfunded in a lot of organizations. So it's played a very reactive role. In this new model, being able to realize the vision of an insights drilling selling system, you need a very strong sales operations team that is proactive and is strategic. And, and what that means is that they are thinking beyond just the sort of ad hoc place to dump all these requests where no one knows what to do with it and more thinking about how do we make sure that we've defined these processes, that we have the right infrastructure in place, that we're generating the right insights to enable both the decision makers on the go-to-market team and the, the customer facing reps themselves uh, to be able to engage customers in a way that is more attuned to how customers want to be engaged. So you're absolutely right. We typically see that sales Operations is underfunded in a lot of organizations. We have a lot of benchmark data around this uh, that we're able to look at what is the right amount. Um, it obviously varies by industry and by company size, uh, but uh, it's uh, helpful to have a very strong sales operations team in this new model. Before we dive into the infrastructure and insights components of these, I, I want to push a little bit because if I were to take the contrarian view here, and I'm hearing you talk about this future model of sales, it kind of feels almost draconian, like you can just hire a bunch of robots that could sell. It's all got to be digitized. It's based on insights. It's based on process, um, less art, more science. How, I mean, how extreme is this? Are we really moving away from a world where the relationship of the, the salesperson isn't important and it's all about process and data? That's a great question. It's it's not. No, we are not moving away. This is not that we want robots as humans that are acting as robots in a robotic fashion. What, what it means is basically there's still a place for art. There's still a place for building that trust. At the end of the day, 
if, if a human needs to engage with another human in order to make a complex purchase, your ability as a human salesperson to build trust and be transparent and build a relationship with another person is going to be critical uh, in terms of uh, being able to be successful in winning that deal. If we're talking about very transactional purchases where the buyer does not need to talk to another human, they can do this without, there's enough information out there, they can make this purchase happen, then, then that will be something where humans won't need to be involved. You won't need a human salesperson to actually engage with a buyer for very transactional purchases. But I actually look at this differently. I think it's at a very exciting era for sales, uh, despite this, this automation and this, in, this use of infrastructure and this adherence to process, I think is going to free up reps to spend more time actually selling and to spend more time actually talking to buyers. If you think a lot about, we do these sales activity studies with many clients, we've done it with over 150 clients. We have over 25,000 responses from reps and managers. And we have a good idea of where they spend their time. They're only spending typically around 23 to 25% of reps time is actually spent selling, which is shocking. If you think about the amount of money you're spending and paying a sales rep, and they're only spending that amount of time selling. We believe that the, that but, but having underlying processes that are well-defined, for example, thinking about how do you turn around a quote quickly or how do you make sure that you, you get a deal done through your, your customer, uh, your contract process quickly, that we believe it's going to free up reps to spend a lot more time actually selling because you can automate many of these uh, mundane, repetitive tasks that they currently do today. Does any rep out there really enjoy doing data entry right now? A lot of reps' time is spent doing things that aren't high value add. So yes, in some ways, we're asking them we're going to have to adhere more strongly to certain processes, not just them, but the entire organization will have to, so that they can be much more hyper-responsive to buyer requests, which in all our studies of buyer, that's one of the key things that they say they want from organizations. So in many ways, uh, it's a great question. You'll still need art. You'll still need the ability to build good relationships with people. And we believe that through process and, and uh, implementation, through automation and acceleration of those processes, that reps actually will be freed up to spend more time doing what they love, which is understanding business problems from clients, being able to solve those business problems and having an outcome and less of the non-productive mundane activities that they do today. So let's talk about the infrastructure component here. Is it is it using existing infrastructure differently or is it a new construct? What is how big is that change when we when we think of that component? Well, it's it, the key we want our clients to think about is that you know, clients, a lot of them think first, I've got to buy technology that will help me solve this problem. And if you buy technology and you have a bad process, yes, that technology will automate a bad process. That's not what you're trying to do. You have to fundamentally first think through the process and make sure you've really uh, spelled it out and you understand from end to end how that process should work. Technology is then implemented over that to automate and to accelerate those processes. Right now, what's tough for sales leaders is that sales leaders have so much technology being thrown at them. They're, in the last five to 10 years, there's been an explosion of tech vendors that are pursuing the sales leader and the sales buying center, which is great because there are so many opportunities to improve. What's hard for the sales leader is to look at the existing sales tech stack that they have. And to say, you know, what's working, what's not, how is it automating the process I have? What are the gaps that I have? And what are the right technologies that I want to add to that stack to make sure they integrate with the technology I have? And that will add incremental benefit to my reps, ultimately make the reps more productive to make their engagements with their buyers better and to sift through that 
landscape of trying to figure that out is very hard right now in the environment because there's so much infrastructure being uh, developed, so many startups coming out, and there's a lot of blending of the different categories. As you know, we do tech evaluation and we have uh, categorized these uh, tech vendors, but that's the hardest thing right now, I think, is to really sift through all the different technologies out there, uh, understand what you have, what's working, and then implement the right ones and integrate the whole sales tech stack together and with other parts of the organization, such as the marketing tech stack, for example, or the customer success tech stack. So you have an end to end integrated uh, view of the customer journey from, from the beginning and the first touch point all the way through the end. So I think that's the biggest challenge right now from an infrastructure perspective is helping navigate that and pick the right ones and making sure they're integrated. Yeah, it feels like one of those perfect storms where, you know, all these sales organizations need to move to be more insights driven and process oriented. Uh, That's a heyday for, you know, sales tech vendors that I'm sure are just kind of crawling out of the wood every day. Um, Are are sales leaders equipped to make those decisions currently? Like, do they have the experience and or how how good are they at working with their CIOs or CTOs to help? drive the right tech strategy there. Well, back to what we talked about sharing your question earlier about the sales operations team. That's a key area that sales operations really help with. So I would say a lot of sales leaders aren't equipped to, to make those kinds of decisions. Um, in fact, many sales leaders have bought technology and have realized they've got this sort of tons of technologies in their stack and they don't really know how they all work and how how one what one's doing versus another and which one's having the biggest impact. I think that's where the sales operations team uh, needs to be the, the key contact point and work with the CIO to identify, again, what do we currently have? What's working? Is it making reps' lives easier? Is it making managers' lives or making them more productive? And I I say that uh, with emphasis because in the end of the day, a lot of people complain that reps don't adopt certain technologies. If the technology you purchase is for you as a sales leader to have a better view of what your reps are doing, and that's solely what it is, and it's not designed in the rep's best interest or the manager's best interest, which is what is going to help a rep be more productive in their job, what is going to help a manager be more productive in their job, then you're going to have trouble getting them to use it. And I think that's where a lot of sales tech vendors now are starting to wake up and realize is how do we design this in a way that actually makes reps' lives easier, that actually makes managers' lives easier. Uh, and I think that's going to be a key in, in helping get uh, sales tech adoption is looking at it through the lens of what is making the reps more productive than they are today. And that will help with adoption and that will help with, uh, and that's where sales operations really needs to think that through. How do we make sure we understand what reps need, what managers need? How do we engage them during the purchasing process so we have input from them so we understand what they do every day? But the sales operations team should be the key point of contact for thinking through this and engaging with CIOs for the the sales tech stack. It feels like that underlines the point of why all roads lead back to process too, like understanding that process and also not implementing a technology that codifies a bad process, which you would have to unwind. Yeah, the process thing is, is keep in mind, I mean, it sounds sometimes like you said, Sharon, this process sounds sort of draconian in some ways, but keep in mind that these processes should be three things we, we tell people they should look at the process through with the lens of uh, buyer aligned. So it's going to help the buyer make a decision faster and easier. And if you have processes that are designed from your organization out to your buyer, you've got it all wrong because in the end of the day, you're going to make it hard on your buyers to purchase. They're going to go purchase from someone else. And the larger you get as an organization, the more processes you develop, it's more risk mitigation. The more you've created processes that are designed from your organization out. The second, it has to be seller friendly. 
Is it helping your sellers get things turned around quickly? When a buyer asks for something, how fast can your sellers respond? If they want a quote, can they can that get done quickly? Or does your deal desk have to look at that and review that for 48 hours before they turn that around? You're at a competitive disadvantage. So you have to make sure those processes are seller friendly. And third is they have to be integrated. And so everything you look at from process infrastructure insights should be, is it buyer aligned? Is it seller friendly? And is it integrated? And if you can say yes to those things, then you have the right processes installed that will make lives easier for your buyers, which will mean lives easier for your sellers. Uh, and that should be looked at through process infrastructure uh, and insights. So let's dig into that insights one. That's the only one we haven't talked about in, in detail. Um, obviously critical, um, also connected to the technology and infrastructure topic we were just talking about. Give us a sense of, of what you really mean when you say insights. What, do, what does this new model require? So it's not just enough to have data. So there's data everywhere and data is exploding. There's mountains of data. And I think the challenge for organizations is to be able to mine that data and to surface insights, meaning making sense of the data that will help the decision makers make a better decision that will help reps make a better decision, for example, that when they engage, how do they engage their, their buyers in the way that buyers want to buy. And I think that, uh, so, so that's what's key. And so some examples of insights would be, you know, th this is what your buyers have done on the website, for example, uh, before they even have spoken to you, the rep. And so part of understanding is as a rep, you might want to talk about these things because this is what your buyer uh, prospect has done on the website, the pages they've navigated to, what pricing they looked at, for example, the webcasts that they went to, the white papers they downloaded. That's an example of not just saying, here's all this data, but actually helping suggest that this is probably what they're interested in based on what they've looked at prior to talking, you know, engaging with you as a rep. So that's an example of sort of insights. Insights can be also insights to help the seller improve. In terms of a manager, for example, instead of just saying, hey, manager, here's some data about your reps that your rep A and B aren't succeeding, they're underperforming. Insights take that and say, here, let me tell you exactly why I think they're underperforming. If you look at the number of meetings they're having relative to the others uh, on your team, they're underperforming. Or let's listen to this call. We, you know, here's some, some feedback on a call that was recorded and they use the word like 50 times. Uh, which is not, a, it's a filler word and that's not helping, or they talk too much. They talk nonstop. They didn't listen. They didn't ask questions. This is the recording that you should review these three recordings of the last three calls that your rep had. And this is what you should listen for. That's insights. That's powerful. That makes it so much easier as a manager to coach and develop your reps. Uh, and then you can obviously think about it as an executive. You think about surfacing insights that help your your leaders, your sales leader, your marketing leader, your customer success leader, understand what's truly happening in the business. Uh, for example, with churn, that you know th these are the customers that are most likely to churn because they've exhibited this behavior in the last 90 days, and this matches what other customers who have churned, what they've done. That's, that's taking not just data, but actually surfacing helpful insights that business decision makers can do something with uh, in order to be successful. And I think that's what's so exciting right now about the sales technology and artificial intelligence that's coming. It's to really augment what humans are doing already, but to make them more productive, to help them make better decisions. One more example of insights, you know, I can tell I'm passionate about this, would be on the forecasting, where you, uh, forecasting for so long has been just about reps, basically their gut saying, this is what I think is going to happen. Uh, basically on, uh, on, on this deal. Uh, now you have systems out there that can surface insights and say, well, the, we're going to provide you with extra data that says this rep hasn't spoken to the decision maker in two months. So we have very low probability this deal is actually going to close, even though your rep is telling you it's going to. 
that's tremendous insight that helps the sales manager have another point of view to say, I don't believe this deal is coming in. And so this is not forecastable. Uh, we had uh, uh, during Summit, uh, one of my analysts, uh, Seth Mars, did a terrific presentation on talking about uh, this in sales compensation world as well, talking about the use of insights and in artificial intelligence. So there are so many areas where insights can be brought to bear to make the sales jobs easier, the sales manager's job easier, to free them up to spend more time actually making decisions and engaging buyers instead of navigating through data, trying to make sense of it. Talent's obviously a component of, of this of this model of this approach, and you know, picking up on a little bit of what Sharon had said earlier um, in your response, like you know, this is not just oh, people acting like ro- robots going through a series of steps and things. Like talent still plays a role in the sales organization. We we don't want it to just be you know a subset of sales reps being able to overperform. We want to extend, I'm assuming that overperformance to, you know, a broad organization. How, how is talent or the role of talent? Is it different in this model? Um, What are your thoughts there about making sure that we're not, you know, returning to a hero mentality, I guess, when it comes to the sales organization? Good question. I, talent is still critically important. As a sales leader, you always want to try to find the best talent you can, the, the people out there that have the right competencies to be successful. What we're saying here is that sales leaders need to emphasize process, infrastructure, and insights to make a broader set of that talent successful, right? So that sort of instant, the, the A players, the ones that always succeed, they will figure out a way to navigate broken internal processes things that aren't available to them, and they will make their number. But that's not a scalable model. And in a model where you have to get more deals because they're smaller, as I said up front, so you can't rely on that large deal, you need more reps that are able to get those initial small deals and grow them in order for the sales leader to be successful, in order for CEOs and boards to get what they want, which we talked about in the beginning, which is that predictable and scalable revenue and profit growth, you need to have a broader set of your reps succeed. And that means, so instead of the model of 20% or 30% of your reps making your number, and you'd be shocked how many organizations have those stats where only 30% of their reps are actually achieving quota, which is ridiculous if you think about it. No other industry would put up with that. If you had manufacturing, only 30% of your workers were working at capacity or, or productively, that wouldn't be accepted. And it shouldn't be accepted in sales. We should be shooting for a model that 90% of reps or more are ultimately succeeding, meaning they're hitting their numbers, which is good for their mental health because sales reps want to make their number. Their self-esteem is based on that. Uh, It's good for, obviously, for morale. You want to be in that high-performance culture. And in order to do that, you cannot just you have to make sure that they understand the playbook and has to be well laid out. And the organization needs to be oriented to helping them succeed because things are designed with the buyer in mind first and then working backwards into the organization. So that's the model. You still want to hire great talent. That should be a focal point. The key is that you're not just relying on their heroic efforts in order to be successful. You're putting that playbook in place and saying, look, we will we will show you the method of how to be successful. We will coach, we will develop you and help you be successful. Uh, and that's through the use of process infrastructure and insights to make you successful in this new world. So I'm a sales leader. What questions should I be asking myself if I'm considering, and I absolutely should be considering moving towards an insights driven system what are the first things that I should be kind of pressure testing as I move transition to this approach? 
I think the number one thing you should be thinking about right now is you should be thinking about your processes and saying to yourself, I need to get a handle on which processes that I have in place that are well-defined and they're integrated and which ones are not. And I need to do an assessment of that. Uh, and we obviously, as you both know, we, we do process assessments as part of our work with clients to understand that. And then, then prioritize which processes need to be uh, uh, well-defined and fixed and then need to work on those in short order. And that's the first thing I'd be doing as a sales leader would be, how do I actually look at all the processes, assess where I am on the maturity curve of those processes in terms of how sophisticated they are, how well laid out they are, and then how do I actually go about trying to tackle those as fast as I can, uh, the ones that will have the biggest impact. So what we mean by that is lead management process or opportunity management process or the sales process itself or the sales management process. There are so many processes that need to be looked at. So that's where I'd start is focus on the top couple processes where you feel like you have biggest uh, leverage points to improve and help your sellers engage better with the buyers, uh, which is ultimately what buyers want. Great. Well, thank you for joining us today. Well, thanks for having me. I enjoyed the conversation. Thank you, Phil. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to Forrester's What It Means podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, or your favorite podcast player. To continue the conversation, follow Forrester on Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Thanks for listening.